0: All right, all right, we're back with um again, we're on chapter two, the Black Woman's Guide to Understanding the Black Man by Shirazi Ali. We're on page 28 at number three. Um we were on one through ten of the paths that uh most of the black men would take at this at that time. Joined the military. Back in the day, joining the service appeared as an honorable option for many black men. They were raised to be patriotic, so going off to fight in a war, they were told would defend their country and maintain their democratic way of life, appealed to their need to be responsible for getting a job done. It also gave them an opportunity to take training courses, prove their physical abilities, and work as a team with other men. They perceived the military as a gigantic masculine club where they could compete, shoot guns, travel, meet women, earn pay, send a stipend home, gain veterans benefits, medical care, extra points on civil service tests, VA loans, college grants, and of course, the special pride of wearing their uniform to church and walking around in their neighborhoods. It additionally provided them with a process which they had to qualify to go through and earned recognition and respect for passing various tests in a man's domain, the war. Some protested the war in Vietnam while others praised their involvement and if they survived, came home bragging about their war conquests. If they had any doubts about their citizenship before they went in, by the time they came out out of boot camp, they were true Americans, firm in their inclusion as being useful, needed, and trained. Military practice included skilled mastery of their weapons and duties, which gave them confidence in their ability to fight for the country. As usual for many black men, military service further alienated them from their true nature, culture, and character. They had to become unified with American ideas in order to enlist, and they had to be totally mentally committed beyond testable doubt of their allegiance to old glory and all it stood for. They also saw participation in the war as a way to prove that they were willing to join forces with white boys and fight for the country they all love. Today, those who suffered their mortal injury, ha- mortal injury have their aching disabilities to remind them of that involvement. Some wound up mentally ill due to shell shock or Agent Orange. Others, bound by encapsulated m- memories of the vivid horrors of war, just never recovered from the ordeal. The black man found that he did not have the killing nature of their Anglo-Saxon comrades and were not accustomed to destroying people who had not personally offended them. Initially, they tried as they had been trained to view the Viet. Kong as evil and a threat to their free way of life. But soon they concluded that the war was unorganized and they were being shoved to the front lines and promptly being killed. The black man had never as a group ever been mad enough to fight anybody, less known a yellow man who lived on the other side of the world. And they also realized that racial prejudice, segregation, and rejection based on his color was striving strong and well in the military ranks. He became disillusioned, and his disillusionment contributed to the internal strife already brewing among the Negro troops and his objections, not necessarily to the Vietnam War, but to his presence in it. Eventually got him expelled or dismissed, accused of cowardice. His next surprise came when he got back home and after a quick flurry of praise and center attention from the neighborhood cronies and the rap attention he received from his family while reciting war stories, things went back to normal. He couldn't find work. He had bad dreams of guilt, and his mind kept returning to war scenes where his own fear had made him shudder, wretch from bowel in his throat, or lose control of his bowels. He felt angry and used. Uncle Sam had let him down. He was out of sync with the times, and people got tired of hearing the same stories over and over. He was disappointed. The war had taken complete control of his mind and body and would take him years to recover. Thousands lost their lives or limbs. The Vietnam War started in about 1969 and lasted approximately 15 years. President Lyndon B. Johnson inherited from President Kennedy after he was assassinated, but it remained an undeclared war. The government never wanted to admit it, but America lost that war. The negative public opinion about the war from American citizens at home deprived new veterans of any special help that might have received. And the silent majority just wanted to forget the war and the soldiers who they had heard had killed innocent women and children. All mothers of draftable aid sons were furious with the government for killing their boys in a useless cause they didn't understand. Acceptance of politically affiliated jobs in the system is number four and five. Some black men took advantage of their new attention and became involved in the political systems existing in the halls of government. They believed that their political views would permit them to be instrumental in making and passing laws to help black people. They figured out how to qualify in local, state, and federal politics and invaded the White House. Politics gave them a place to vent their opinions, allowed them to be included in social affairs, connected to their party, and gave them a stage to perform on. On local levels, black men were rumored to have been bought out of the grassroots of militant struggle by being offered a high being offered a high-paying job or some other leadership position in one of the newly formed agencies designed for Blacks under the Anti-Poverty Act. They accepted community posts where they operated job training programs, distributed goods and services, housing, daycare, Free clinics, parks, pools, school improvements, playgrounds, and other outreach programs. these institutions were actually feeble post riot attempts to be reparations of a sort to make up to blacks for many denials recently pointed to during the civil unrest. Having a steady paycheck proved to be soothing balm to the wounds of racism and silenced, silenced a lot of loud mouths who cancelled on complaining. To spend their new money. Some of them worked on these anti poverty programs for years. The names of the jobs often changed depending on the administration in office. These jobs were filled by the educated and the uneducated, conservatives, moderates, and liberals among black men. As the popularity of civil disobedience won, the effectiveness of the black men leaders subsided and they unexpectedly collided with the new federal or state administrators who canceled funding based on new studies they claimed proved that their jobs were a sham and hadn't really improved the quality of life for the people they were appointed to serve. Their clientele became ungrateful and demanding and comfortably dependent on the free services they thought would last forever. Black men placed in charge of such programs had a wide variety of individual control over the operations of their sites. Many of them were not really qualified to be CEOs and their lack of expertise shortly slumped them into boredom and they began to view their jobs as just an easy way to rip off the system and earn some easy money. Others learned how to file for grants, understand line items, and receive budgeted sums to implement their community ideas. Later, when they became embittered about being fired, they ceased any efforts to help the people entrusted to their care due to disappointment in the striving human spirit they believed existed in the people. They found out that the people were lazy, ungrateful, vindictive, and greedy, and the first thing from their minds was becoming free and independent, and they had to give up their entitlements. There was much panic and scrambling for the last-minute morsels of government jobs. Some of these black men went on to city hall, city council, and mayorships, congressional reps, and other political service-oriented jobs. The black man had become confident in his ability to negotiate with whites. Today, the storm clouds crouching on the horizon threatens the removal or disqualification of black men candidates from all high-ranking posts. It is unspokenly assumed by the power structure that they, black men, had their chance their clear-cut opportunity, including special recognition and fame, and yet they did not lighten the welfare rolls, nor teach their constituents self-sufficiency, a better attitude, or respect for government. Instead, they have become hooked on a cycle of dependency, Christ-crossing two and three generations, crisscrossing two and three generations, sometimes in the same household. They had no, no guaranteed loyalty to any particular party or candidate and were insatiable for free services and benefits. Black men know by now that the government is incapable of regulating laws to solve social problems such as racism. This is a hard reality. They have not been able to love or legislate racism away. Being a black man politician once slippery and fluid, has now frozen into a solid block of icy refusals for everything they suggest as a help out Black's idea. They had come from the pool pits and the schools, but they are denouncing their involvement and retiring to the private sector to have some peace. Okay, so we're going to stop there. We're on page 32 at number six. So we read from page 28 at number three to page 32, number six. Um, I think what kind of stood out to me was right there at the end uh, talking about, you know, basically it's easier to give a few of us something to kind of hush us up. We may first think, okay, I'm going to be a politician and I'm going to change this and I'm going to change that, make promises. We vote them in, but really their hands are tied. Uh, racism is not something that can be loved or legislated away. This is something that is here in the wilderness of North America, white supremacy, because the people feel supreme. They brought us over here as slaves to be their slave. And although we are so-called set free, we really aren't psychologically free. Uh, We are still under um, his way of doing things, and it is not making us have peace. Uh, Just as many or more of us is on welfare, and we need government housing, just as many of us can't really afford to have our own home. And if so, we don't really get it paid for till we get ready to die. And we don't have nothing to leave to our children and their children's of substantial worth and wealth still to this day. So that's what I got from that.